Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Welcome to the Spoken Word program on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack, and I'll be with you for the next 30 minutes. 3CR is proud to broadcast from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and into the future. In today's show we are focusing on motherhood, and we'll be hearing from a variety of poets reflecting on their relationships with their own mothers and from being mothers themselves. And despite it being Mother's Day this week, today's show is not intended to be a box of chocolates and roses view of motherhood, and we will be exploring themes of mental health, self-harm and family violence, as well as racial abuse and miscarriage. If you are affected by the content of today's program, we encourage you to seek support through personal networks or Lifeline on 131114 or the Women's Information and Referral Exchange on 1300 134 130. First up, here's Rianne Isaacs. My mum's great. She's a champion. You know, she's so supportive. Um, and I know that I can talk to her about everything so many things you don't know about your mother you know it's like discovering a new person isn't it oh my god <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> but also it's like i'm not discovering like i'm discovering her you know like i know who, like, at least a part of her like i know who she is as a mother i never really knew who she was as a person you know because i think when you're raising kids that's all you're really focused on is kind of like i'm raising these kids i'm mothering these kids and I can't really, I mean, some mothers are different, you know, but my mum was always like, okay, like there's a bit of a line between us right now. You know, I'm an authority figure and you are the child, basically. And um, she also, she lived in England while we lived in Guyana, and so she was back and forth. And so like having that kind of like, it was like really hard for her to like gain that relationship of like being on a, on the same level because she was always just mum to me. But then, like, when I turned 18, it was just, like, the tables have turned and, like, well, she's now, like, you know, yeah, like, I can just chill out, you know, you're out of my house, you know, <laughs> I can say what I want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's she, great. She can swear more now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the first time my mom swore, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I lost my mind. I was like, what did you say? And then I started swearing around her and said, so now it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's pretty cool. Being 21 is great. <laughs> Mum tells Dad to go fuck himself for suggesting that she was fucking someone else, or at least I wish she had. I wish that she had taken the mud that he flung into her face and turned it into something twice as dirty. I wish that she for once created the filth. Instead of being the one to mop it clean, my mother was always cleaning, ironing the angry wrinkles that habitually inhabited the tops of my father's brow. When he became more hurricane than man, she will be the one to clamber through rubble and salvage the roof. This very household uses her bones as scaffold and I watched her put her body between two men made of mountain, threatening to make an earthquake of my family, but she feared the conflict between my father and my brother more than she feared bruises, so... She accepted the blows, volunteered her shoulders to bear the weight of unintended words spat towards blood, desperately trying to remind us that we were blood and that this, this is no way to behave, not in her house, 
Not in her presence she remained the voice of reason for so long until her tongue slowly retreated back into her throat. Her words making a home of her stomach. She was tired of talking. And as she grew quieter, the house fell louder. When she first discovered the lines running across my left forearm marking all the times I felt defeated, she painted the walls and laid down new carpet. When my older brother grew apathetic and angry, she leveled the table, she steadied the chairs, straightened anything with a slight lean because she knew what it was like to grow up in a world of topsy-turvy, everything upside down where the head of the house was brick and broken bones, so she kept everything open and bright, gave us oxygen when we were choking on our own hurt. My mother saved us. She is the light that keeps everything in plain view. She has fingers around weary wrists, raising fists, insisting that the fight within us is a gift and that we should never take aim on ourselves, especially when there's a whole world out there gunning to kill us, you know. When the floorboards in your own home feel like landmines and a door swinging shut is gunfire, you start to wonder, are you safe, even within your own skin? Will your own hands turn on you when you least expect it? What do you do when your hopelessness comes from your previous source of hope? Is there any way to shake the tide from these curtains, clear the clutter from this stairway, make everything all right just for a second, a minute, a day or two? You, my mother, you, you have always made everything all right, even when there was so much trying to break your fingers, trying to stop you from holding it together, you know. I always speculated that she wasn't quite human. Capeless superwoman undercover ninja or something. I mean, I could never really understand how she did it. Umi. Umi. Umi says shine. She says, shine in the spotless reflection of who you are, girl, woman. I've spent my life clearing weed fields fields for your flowers to grow so grow. There is strength to be had from this soil. Don't let the dirt distract you from your desire to touch the sky. Because Lord knows, you deserve to touch the sky. I feel an emptiness filled with lots of things Things I cannot name but I know they're there And they're brewing inside Like my mama's favourite lentil soup It boils for under an hour until it's just right Until the colour is just right Until it's simmered for just the right amount of time And only she knows when it's ready Her years have taught her things you cannot learn from reading a recipe book. No, her learning is instinctual. Her learning has transformed into knowing, and when I ask her how much salt, pepper and cumin to add, she says, you just know when it's enough. You just know, you just know, as if I can translate that into some kind of measurement. 
As if that's just another metric Like a tablespoon, a cup or 300 meals Like I'm supposed to know what that means But I don't, I never do And I don't know if I ever will I'm still young, I'm still childless, familyless And I don't just know anything yet But I do know that my mama wouldn't judge me For not getting it right She would only judge me for not trying And so I try and try every time Doing my best to get it right Adding just enough salt, pepper and cumin And then I taste it and try again And even when I think it's just about right There always seems to be something missing And so I I always settle for close enough and accept the fact that my mama's lentil soup is my mama's lentil soup for a reason as I feel an emptiness filled with lots of things things I cannot name but I know they're there and they're brewing inside like my mama's favorite unforgettable unmistakable lentil soup That was Gabriella Georges with Mama's Lentil Soup. And it's all about Mother today on 3CR Spoken Word. Our next two performers are Zainab Farah, followed by Krish Prasad. You look at her and your hands quickly secure themselves over your ears. You can't help yourself. Everything about her screams oppressed in your body, while your body just can't handle that much noise. You realise that you're staring, so you quickly avert your gaze, but your mind... Your mind still wonders. It wonders why. Why isn't she normal? Why does she choose to be so restricted? I mean, is that really even her choice? No one would choose to cover their body in such a way she's definitely being forced. Why? Why can't she blend in, assimilate? Why does she have to be so backwards? Why? 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 So you've got all these questions building up and forming a line. And rather than asking her for answers, rather than doing what's right, your privileged mind takes it upon itself to form answers that it finds fit. For she is a puzzle that you don't get. A puzzle that you don't understand, so you, you do what you do best. You break her down, belittle her, remind her that she is a guest, that this land is not her own. Remind her that the way her tongue twists to form words is wrong, incorrect, not perfect. Remind her that she isn't trying, that she isn't trying to remove layers of her clothing, trying to remove layers of her comfort to live up to your standards. Remind her that she isn't trying to break her back carrying your expectations. Remind her that she isn't trying to scrub away at her culture, her lineage, her bloodline, for she is busy fighting, trying to take back a story that has been stolen from her, a story that you deem not worthy to be heard or uttered. I mean, how how are you meant to see her when all you do is look at her through security feeds, stare at her through car windows, or quickly gaze at her through shopping aisles? How, how are you meant to see her when you're not even looking? Ignorance comfortably wraps itself over your eyes, making you assume that since you see her, you automatically know her story, making you assume that since you see her, you automatically carry the copyrights to share her story. See... Let me, by telling you a little about her, extend you the kindness that you failed to extend my mother. Calling her a hero would be an understatement. There is no ache, her blend of honey, black seed and lemon can't fix. No argument is left turned without a victory. No stomach left hungry, no taste but left plain. Every conversation is a lesson, every story a journey. She is a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a poet, a storyteller, a chef. She is inspiration, she is light, she is confidence. She is the same woman that you underestimate daily, but if you 
really took the time to get to know my mother, you'll find that she is an amazing, strong woman who is nothing short of perfect. Thank you. She has no filter at the best of times. <laughs> what you see is what you get. And even if you don't like what you get, you don't have too much of a choice in it. <laughs> Youngest daughter of four, she has more of her father in her than she wants to show. Formidable, intimidating, and she knows what's best for you even if she does not know for her. Hair as black as it was 20 years ago, she says it was as long as Rapunzel's at a time. All the way to her waist, she says. Metaphors were never her strong suit, but hyperbole is. Ah, <laughs> oh, marriage, she sighs. Marriage needs compromises. Days that start four in the morning end only when she's satisfied that I've eaten enough. I lie at times just to ensure that she sleeps. And I am here thousands of kilometers away. I wonder how many times she has lied to herself about my ease of existence. I wonder how many lies she has told herself over the years, how many sacrifices have been made along the way. Maybe I'm not man enough to measure up or maybe it's never mattered because I could never measure up to her. Part of me finds that bothersome, that whatever I did, I would never be able to live up to her. Some may find the concept of the high expectations Asian parent worthy of a giggle. I lived that and I never found any humor in it. <laughs> Even now. What I've found is respect. There is a quiet dignity in my mother and a ton of strength. I find that I have more of her in me than I ever realized. How we know exactly when the tomato soup is good enough or not. How we share the love for yams and pineapples. How we walk to escape inside our heads. How we lie about how we love to read. <laughs> how we love to cook. How we are high maintenance. How we come to odds so often because we're so alike. I've heard her cry silently sitting in the balcony in the evening in the months that followed her father's death. How we have talked about death and the existence of God in an offhand way, taboo topics for a Tamil Brahmin family that I grew up in. How I learned to question from her. How often have we fought, ma? Malicious and vindictive and all too temporary. How many times have we made up about 20 seconds after a blazing row? Saying things that can never be taken back, but words have always been vapor for us. In years from now, Ma, I hope I can measure up to you. You may have had more of your father in you, but I am a mama's boy. I wanted you to know. I, uh, I love you know, the chance to be able to sit down and you know, through words have something really introspective and meditative. and The rawness of words, that finding the essence of it, finding the story. The longest distance in us is the curve of the S. I think writing is the best medicine that you know, can heal you so quickly. I think that the 
community of poets is one of the best communities out because we do support each other. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tragic, isn't it? This is Spoken Word on 3CR Community Radio. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, the voice of the community. 3CR Community Radio, giving the voice to the community since 1976. This is the Spoken Word program, and we're celebrating mothers today on 3CR. In that bracket, we just heard from Zainab Farah, followed by Krish Prasad. Thank you to Melbourne Spoken Word for the live recordings. You can see these and many more videos from the Spoken Word community at www.melbournespokenword.com. My next guest this morning is Tariro Mavondo. My mother is a breathing site of trauma. They Ursula and Ariel'd the little mermaid out of her. She traded her special for two legs so she could walk on a land that hadn't thought of her beyond slave and slow death. My mother, my mother is the sun, y'all. But she's been made to think of herself as a lamp. You know one of those reading ones at the back of the living room? But my mother, my mother is a river, y'all. But somehow she sees herself as a bath of lukewarm water, a forest confused for an indoor plant. Y'all, my mother isn't a pebble or no fake ass lawn neither. She is the Everest. Nah, she is the Kilimanjaro of mountains. If only, if only you knew how she had raised four black kids out of a shoebox flat in Frankston. In Frankston. In the 90s, on canned baked beans from the Salvos, on tough love, on her tenacity, and on midweek bingo. I have seen them. I have seen them rip the voice box from her throat and somebody else telling her story time and time again. You know the white saviour explorer saving barbarians from their own savagery narrative? You know the Disney versus Brothers Grimm version? I have seen my mother lower herself just so she could sit herself on the seat of a white man's table. I have known that this was the beginning of the end. Age 11, grade 6 sports day. I had won the highest placing in any track and field competition through the course of the whole day. Yet, the teachers gave the best overall medal to a lanky-legged, blonde, blue-eyed girl. I came home a puddle of tears and grey clouds. And my mother, my mother stormed to the principal's office and demanded a recount. Have you seen a sky turn the most fantastical shades of reds, of pinks, of oranges? This was the staff after they felt my mother's thunder. They apologised, but they didn't give me my medal. You see, they call this integration, not oppression here. My brother, age 18, last day of school. As a prank with his friends, they defaced the school buildings with human feces. My brother, the only black student, was the only one expelled and had to take his final exams at another school. My mother fought tooth and nail for him to stay, but the staff were unflinching, escorted my mother out of the premise and labelled her a threat, a terrorist. When my mother first came here 28 years ago, they were all like, your teaching degree is not recognised. So she went back to uni, completed a nursing degree, got a job managing several nursing homes, but this meant that the women who'd coveted her position were not happy. They overthrew her in a bloodthirsty coup which made Game of Thrones look tame. They cursed her monkey, cursed her black bitch, cursed her pig. The board decided that she had to leave and paid her out? How do you mourn the living? My mother is a breathing site of trauma. I have laid flowers out on her body. 
They have put her on pills that say are keeping her alive, but I think they're killing her slowly. My mother is silent on most days. Her silence is paraplegic. Her bodies are all walls and fortresses, so her pain can't Cinderella and Rapunzel its way into happily ever after. Well, my mother is a breathing site of trauma. She has adopted the culture here that is staring at lots and lots of screens and buying lots and lots of nice things and glorifying war and glorifying war and hating other Africans. They have infantilized her. Pauline Hansen her to the same age as their public discourse. I just don't like it. I just don't like it. It's okay to be white, okay? Gangs, my mother says. They make us good Africans look bad. They'll lump us all together, mar us with the same brush. On most days, my mother is all pews and Bible verse nonsense, like the meek shall inherit the earth, like being outspoken was an inconvenience as a woman, like a black woman's normal is struggle. I think about how my mother probably questions whether she is a woman. A few years ago, her uterus was gutted out of her and now lives on a shelf in a laboratory somewhere. Well, my mother, my mother is a woman. My mother is a sun, a river, a forest, a mountain. My mother is the placenta of wounds, which were stars once, shining on a dark canvas once. A survivor of trauma and she is breathing and that in itself is radical. She is breathing and that in itself is a revolution. She is breathing and that in itself is political. She is breathing and that in itself is enough. My mother. Have you read that to your mother? I think I performed it uh, the first time was at the Evelyn a friend had just come in and, and then he was like, oh my gosh, I just had a conversation with my mum around the same topic. It could be an anthem for the African diaspora um, and their parents. You have to read this to your mum. And so I was like, oh, okay, all right. Um, so I did and my mother was just silent for like, I think it was a minute and a half, just silent. She didn't say anything. And then I was like, Mom, are you there? She's like, mm-hmm, I'm here. And I'm like, so what do you think? What are your feelings? What are you experiencing? And then she just was like silent. She didn't say anything. And then she kind of avoided kind of the topic. And then we started talking about something else. But I knew she'd received it because after that she was like, have you got any other poems that I can that you can share with me? And she'd never really um, said that before. And, um, yeah, and so it's been a really, I guess, therapeutic way for my mother and I to be together. Do you think about the future? Yeah, that's that's a thing. That's that's a thing that I have to um, acknowledge as real, that they're getting older and that I do have to play that carer, nurturer role. And, and from my friends just hearing about how their parents are kind of regressing into more childlike states, yeah, I think it's a really difficult, but also I, I can imagine there's a lot of grace and, and beauty uh, that comes with caring for them in that way as well. Yeah, and I'm totally up for doing that role. In the blues songs, they say you've got to get it right with God, but you've got to get it right with your mum, don't you? Yeah, I believe that our mothers are the closest uh, closest definition of God on earth for sure. Yeah, so how, you, how I treat my mum is how, yeah, it's like my relationship to, I guess, this other omnipotent, omnipresent energy um, that's beyond us. Hi, this is Vicka Bull and you're listening to 3CR 855 AM. 
I've heard the term chemical pregnancy. Know that birth control is never 100% effective. Know now that you can miscarry before you even know that you're pregnant. I was 22, unmarried, sort of Catholic. Still trying to finish college, and I've never wanted kids. I still don't. But somehow saying I dodged a bullet feels like Howlin' Wolf saying I ain't superstitious. I get a shot at the life I've been working towards since my parents dropped me off at preschool, told me, keep getting straight A's, kid. You're going places, kid, thanks to a couple of cells committing suicide before they even had brain function. Suicidal ideation runs in my father's side. It took after its grandparents and inherited my taste for irony. Never getting to meet someone you thought you'd never want hurts. Like an Etta James song, like screaming with Jay Hawkins and howling with the wolf, with the volume turned down low, so only you can hear it. Maybe I'm overreacting. Since 50% of pregnancies end before the mothers even know it, and it still could have been stress, but the child it could have been birthed a swarm of what-ifs in its place. My head knows I may never be ready for motherhood, but my body disagreed. And so, my dearest darling... You were meant for my womb, but not for this world. So now I'm screaming with Jay Hawkins. I'm howling with the wolf. I'm listening to Etta James with the volume turned down low. So only I can hear it. That was Ariel Cottingham performing her poem, Irony, from a live recording by Melbourne Spoken Word. We're almost at the end of our Mother's Day episode of Spoken Word today. Thank you for listening. I've been Brendan Bonsack. Please tune in every week at 9am or listen to any of our podcast programs at your leisure, available from 3cr.org.au. And just a word about a special event coming up in the 3CR calendar, the annual Spoken Word Radiothon fundraiser. On uh, Thursday the 23rd of May, Spoken Word will host a live poetry show at Bar 303 in Northcote with four feature performers and an open mic, all of which will be recorded and broadcast on this show throughout the rest of the year. Entry is $10 at the door and all proceeds go to 3CR to help to keep the station on air. This year we are featuring the legendary Michael Reynolds, Claire Gaskin, Alan Pentland and Sigrun Mikula. Visit our website or the Spoken Word group page on Facebook for details. To take us out today, here is Rania Ahmed with her poem, Freedom, written for her six-year-old daughter. She asked me with inquisitive innocence, Mum, what is freedom? And here I was, confronted by the core reason for human-inflicted agony. Freedom. Freedom is a mirage luring all towards the inevitable end, as they crawl through the desert of life. Freedom. Freedom is the false messiah promising to save mankind. Freedom is wet cheeks of a young widow who has lost both her father and brother. 
Freedom is prison bars and whips, electric shocks and mutilation until screams can no longer come out. Freedom caused Gandhi to starve. Mandela was caged and the king, Martin Luther King, was assassinated. Freedom is seeing life pass by while shackled by oppression. Freedom. Mum, mum, you didn't answer my question. Young eyes. Freedom is walking on a pathway, enjoying the radiant green leaves hanging from a tree which has been there long before you ever came to life. Freedom. Freedom is a rosy heart despite thunderstorms flooding rose gardens. Freedom is a content soul despite pain. Freedom, my darling, comes from the inside. It comes from here. This, my love, is the meaning of freedom.